Captain's log supplemental. The Priartas shuttle Rogue is en route to the disabled Benthin assault cruiser. Designation, Avec. Sensor scans of the vessel indicate that there are three survivors on board, all in need of immediate medical attention. Heavy radiation in the sector, due to another destroyed Benthin cruiser, have made sensors, communication, and transportation difficult to impossible. Though little is known of the assault cruiser's design, Commander Pentant has theorized, in large part due to logical ship layout, that the life signs are located in or around the brig. We will approach with expedited caution, regardless of the injured party's location or whether or not they are prisoners. The patients are in need of care. Ensign, remain here with the rogue. Lieutenant, you're with us. Phaser set to stun. Captain, according to my readings, the life signs are located two decks below our current location. It would be wise to locate maintenance access, as it can be theorized that turbo lifts will be inactive. Oh, great. Maintenance tunnels. Point the way, Exo. There. I'll take point. Mr. Bailey, you bring up the rear. Stay sharp, everyone. You know, this sort of makes me think of my first job. Uh, really? I'm embarrassed to say I don't know what your first job was. Retail. I failed to see how maintenance tunnels remind you of retail sales. They both suck, Jace. They both suck. Perhaps I'm confused. To what definition of the word suck are you referring? Okay, we're here. Everyone, on my mark. Move! They're through that door, Captain. Let's get the room secure. Move in three, two... Clear. 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 All clear. Doctor, you may proceed. Looks like two guards and a prisoner. I'll check the Benthans, but I'm going to need that shield lowered to check the prisoner. X? I will begin immediately. Given the state of the ship's fluctuating power levels, it should not take long to overload the mechanism. Elijah, I need a hand. Please get me the osteogenic stimulator and proto-dinoplaser. Uh, sure. No, the one with the blue handle. <laughs> Good, thank you. Okay, that'll have to do for now. Number two? Oh no, okay, thrombic modulator. Darn, cardio stimulator! Force field lowered, Captain. Come on, stay with me! Darn it, exoscalpel! Doctor, we have the shield down. We're here for stabilization and transport, not surgery. I can save him, almost there! Doctor! Doctor! There. Stable. We'll fix the scarring later. Number three? Nice work, Doctor. Captain, I have found something that may be of interest. It appears the survival of these three individuals is not mere luck. Power had been rerouted during the attack to protect the brig. Why the brig? A uh, captain? A human! This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Patreon community sponsor, our friend Isaiah, and we thank all our patrons for their monthly support of Priority One Podcasts. Command codes verified. Priority. 
31 message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Admirals. You're listening to episode 202 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded on Friday, December 12th, 2014, and available for download or streaming on Monday, December 15th, 2014, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Jace. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hello, guys. So, Cookie, what do we have in store this week? This week, we check out a major update in the production of Star Trek III. In Star Trek Online news this week, the Winter Wonderland is in full swing, and players are slipping and sliding all over the place to get their hands on that Tier Six Breen ship. This week in Command School, I'll give you tips on the piloting ability rock and roll. Then, of course, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Admirals, we're so grateful that not only have you helped us cover the monthly operating costs via Patreon, but many of you continue to contribute, and those extra funds will help offset the costs of travel to conventions or equipment or software upgrades. We are continually humbled by your ongoing support. And even if you can't or haven't donated, you can support us by dialoguing with us. Your comments, questions, tweets, Facebook messages, in-game chats, they all mean the world to us and it lifts our spirits to engage with you. So even if you're a longtime listener, share your thoughts with us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, in-game, however you can reach us. We're always looking for new members to join the Priority One podcast team. If you have a special skill or interest that you'd like to contribute, then reach out to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or visit the website and click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam. Additionally, as you may have heard, we are experimenting with broadcasting the live recordings of our uh, shows live on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. Keep an eye on our social media platforms for showtimes. All right, Admirals, let's check out the latest developments in the production of Star Trek Three. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Last weekend, the internet went crazy with news that writer-producer Roberto Orsi would, in fact, not be directing the third installment of the Star Trek reboot movie series. In case you weren't aware, several months ago, it had been rumored that this guy, Roberto Orsi, might be the man selected to fill J.J. Abrams' spot in the directorial seat for Star Trek III. Now, who's this guy, Roberto Orsi? He's part of the team that wrote the first two installments and, like any self-proclaimed Trekker, lost his cool on TrekMovie.com when other self-proclaimed Trekkers christened into darkness as the worst Star Trek movie since... Well, ever. Roberto Orsi is also a very critically acclaimed writer for several of television's most successful TV series like Fringe uh, and Sleepy Hollow and uh, several others. Now, it was no surprise that when it was originally rumored that he might be directing the film, Trekkers feared for the worst. And I was one of those. 
I mean, because let's face it, having Orsi direct a major blockbuster film for such a sacred IP with a group of young actors, some less experienced than others, would have been a quantum mistake. Orsi has never directed anything, not even a commercial. So who at Paramount was going to take a risk on this guy directing the film? Whoever would have put their John Hancock on that approval needs to be fired. There's more to directing than just giving an actor their, their marks and telling them to move left or right or can you be a little more angry? No, no. It takes, there's, it's, there's technique behind it. And for some actors, they're only as good as the directors. But I digress because we've talked about this all before. The real question is who is going to take the seat? Rumors begin again. And the name Edgar Wright keeps floating around. Now, this guy has directed films like The World's End, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Shaun of the Dead. But again, I ask, why? Why would it be Edgar Wright? Again, not a, my first person to pop into my head to direct the third film. Like, these are these Hot Fuzz, uh, Scott Pilgrim, Shaun of the Dead, these, these are all great films in their own right. But... What about these films that he's directed makes someone think, Ooh, I bet he'd be a great director for Star Trek. I mean, I, I'm sure that he would actually do a really good Galaxy Quest sequel, but not a Star Trek film. I think he could do well. It made me curious as to see what it would be like. My concern with Wright is that one of the rumors about why he left Ant-Man is because he wanted more control where it's a pre-existing property and Star Trek is also a pre-existing property and he'd have to work within those confines but I don't know if that's even true. I was going to say I, I agree with Cookie. I think there's a lot of potential. It's not just hearing, you know, seeing actors previous work and saying, "Oh yeah, they, you know, we what, what could they do with this or I think they would be perfect for this." It's more along the lines of Here's an IP that needs an director. Let's get some outside influence to see what could happen. We already did this with Abrams. Abrams has proven that he can sell tickets to, you know, a Star Trek movie, but he kind of upset a lot of the hardcore fans. He upset everybody in the Prime Universe, you know, that were fans of the Prime Universe. But I think um, I think Wright could do some really interesting things. He's got a knack for doing good comedy, which every Star Trek film has. Uh, action, which again, every Star Trek film has and needs, as well as character development, which we saw in, in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I'm not saying he'd be the perfect director or the first choice, but I think he could do something really interesting with it. I don't know. I've seen all of his films, at least his major films, and I'm just not confident that he would be the right person for the job. But, you know who would be? Commander William T. Riker. Well, Jonathan Frakes. And that's right. The internet has spoken, and it decrees that Jonathan Frakes shall be the one to direct the third Star Trek film. Arguably, Jonathan Frakes is probably the most qualified person on the face of this planet to direct a Star Trek film. Now, let's go over some fun facts about our beloved Mr. Frakes. He was nicknamed Two Takes Frakes for his efficient filming style on the set of Star Trek First Contact. And he's already directed two Star Trek movies, one of which was First Content, arguably one of the best, if not the best, films of the franchise. And the other? Wrath of Khan. Oh, the other was uh, Insurrection. Oh, yeah. And that was the one that brought us this lovely little joystick that controls the Enterprise-E, isn't it? There's a difference between writing and directing. <laughs> and he handled that joystick with finesse. <laughs> T Tony Hunter owns that exact joystick. Not, I mean, not the prop that they used in the movie, but that, that model of joystick. And, of course, he's got 16 directorial credits just for Star Trek on loan in his, under his, 
his IMDb under his belt, and he continues to direct. He's uh, he's directed uh, Marvel, Agents of Shield, uh, and several other tele- existing television franchise. I mean, this is a an actor's director. I mean, Jonathan Frakes is the best person to take the helm of this third film. So for about a week now, Frakes, who's been pretty good at keeping up with social media, finally broke his silence on an interview with Charlie Harger of Como News and says, I would love the job, and that he's already begun trying to stir the pot over at Paramount to get the gig. Admirals, we need to make this happen. Okay, so this is a call to action from Captain Leandros of the USS Prioritas. Open those social media hailing frequencies and use hashtag bring in Riker. Tell your friends, even your non-Trekkie friends, to do us all a favor and post it too. Frakes may not be an action film director like Michael Bay or even J.J. Abrams, but if you want to see the vision of Gene Roddenberry's Trek back on the big screen, then Jonathan Frakes is the man to do it. And I'm sure he can balance explosions with great content. So here's my concern. Um, I don't think Paramount's going to go for it. Probably and, not. And yeah, I know. I, I, I think Frakes would be incredible, and he he would stick true to the the Roddenberry vision. But I think now that Paramount's had a taste of what massive box office sales can bring in, I think they're going to go with somebody uh, a little bit more of a that has a little bit more of a risky choice, like they did with Abrams. I think that the devil's advocate on on hashtag bring in Riker would be that most of most of us are citing First Contact, which is probably the best movie out of all the movies he's directed, which is a handful. And a lot of folks are saying he's much more of a TV-style director, which is not what Paramount's looking for. But you know what? Even with what you said about action, before the new movies, what Trek movie was more of an action-style film than First Contact, really? I mean, if anything, it gets criticized for, for transforming Picard into more of an action hero. So, I don't know. I, I definitely see both sides of it. I think it's a fun campaign. I'm, I'm excited that he wants to do it and that he's reaching out to them. So, we'll see what happens. Now, here's the other thing, is that it's been announced that J.J. will not be doing Episode Eight of Star Wars. And that there are rumors already of who it might be. Um, I'm reading an article now that says possibly Ryan Johnson. Um, oh, I like him. So what I'm thinking is that they should probably bring back Abrams. I think maybe this is why. I think he. I think he got Star Wars out of his system, and now um, he wants to. He. I have a feeling he's going to come back. I have a feeling he's going to be the director for for Star Trek. 3. And I've been hearing that too. That people were like, why don't? Why not just bring JJ back? He's done with Star Wars. So, and I never had a problem with JJ. So, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea. I think that a change with a new director, brand spanking new, who's not someone that we are already comfortable with, is is could be a, a really bad move. No, it doesn't. No matter how good of a director you bring on board, except for the people who were not comfortable with him, because there was a lot of people well, that weren't. But, but there's there's something. Elijah's right. There's something to be said for letting him complete his vision. He had a trilogy in mind, and now he was kind of. The term "ripped away" doesn't really apply here, but he was he was taken away from, or he moved away from his vision and his trilogy. Let him complete his trilogy, and then we'll have another trilogy with a new director that you know can that can come out and do some more incredible things. Well, captains, we'll have links to the articles and the interview with Jonathan Frakes on Como News in our show notes. Here's our first community question for you: What do you think about the news? that Roberto Orsi will not be directing Star Trek Three. 
Would you rather have J.J. Abrams back and finish his vision of a Star Trek trilogy? Are you going to support the hashtag bring in Riker? Let us know your thoughts and ideas in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash P-O-202 or in the forum post for this episode on the Star Trek Online forums. Have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech that you would like Dr. Robert to weigh in on? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All right, Admirals, the Winter Wonderland is in full swing. We have pretty extensive release notes once again, a lot of it focusing around the winter event, but also some other fixes and additions. We'll just talk about some highlights. Uh, The big news this week was the increased damage to Mark 13 and 14 space weapons. We'll include a link in the show notes to uh, Al Captain Gecko Rivera's post uh, talking in depth about the numbers behind this, but basically the intended improvement for these two marks versus the old mark 12 gear and below was not quite uh, as intended for the average player so they ran some numbers and adjusted these and pretty much everybody will see an improvement in mark 13 and 14 space weapons specifically has to do with the way that consoles and other buffs affect weapon damage. So it didn't really affect ground weapons because there's not as many different modifiers all affecting them, so it was a little less complicated. So we shouldn't run around and start screaming, power creep, power creep. (laughs) Well, to my understanding, what was happening was that if a a base weapon, theoretically if a captain had no points in in their skill for energy weapons or whatnot, that the the weapon itself was seeing the 30% increase that was intended. But that once consoles were introduced or once skills were introduced and factored into the math, the the diminishing returns was too high. So that if you were a captain running Mark 14 weapons with all your tactical consoles for that energy type weapon, in addition to your skill points in energy weapons training you were only seeing perhaps a, a an increase in the teens. Right. And so the, the point of this patch was to level that out, correct? That's exactly right. So now that top-end person who has really focused on DPS, they might not get a full 30%, but it, they should at least get something more like the 20s, whereas your, your average player should get about 30%, which is what they intended. In other highlights, they resolved an issue with the loadout system, which was occasionally unslotting power icons, bridge officer, and assigned duty officers when transitioning to a new map. There seem to still be a few isolated issues with this, but for the most part, the main issue is fixed. So I'll I'll believe it when I see it, and I haven't logged in yet. You know, we cover this every single week, I think. Uh, Also, the Breen Sartheln carrier now has subsystem targeting which it was not initially uh, announced with, so that's a very cool little bonus for it. And Tide of Ice in the winter event was modified. Uh, Initially, in the release notes, um, it was modified to make it easier, but there was a bug with that, so they lifted the Tide of Ice requirement entirely on items until it's resolved. And I don't know if they'll even put it back in. So right now, if you have the ornaments, if you have the earmuffs, if you have the candles, you can buy what you want. You don't have to worry about doing the Borg event, 
to unlock it. You can just do it for fun and for rewards. They also updated the ship discount functionality for the Pleshbrek Heavy Frigate and the Chelgret Warship from the previous years. If you have previously completed the rep projects to claim one of these, they should be able to unlock the account discount now. You just have to talk to Q or it'll trigger when you acquire another ship. The issue they're still having and that they're working on is that people who got the Chelgret the very first year, which was before the rep system, they got it through a different system that was sort of more like a store. They don't have code yet to check for whether or not you have purchased it. And also if people have bought it and then gotten rid of it, like dismissed it, that's a little tricky right now too. But now folks who got it last year should be good to go. Now I've got a quick note on this because it is a little confusing. When you go to your rep system, uh, your event reputation, and you look at the list of projects, they will still say in the list that they take a thousand glossy photos of Q. However, when you slot it, it should only be asking to take 40 of them. Right, I noticed that too. So, so, so sometimes you have to slot the project just to make sure that everything's on the up and up. But uh, if it says a thousand in the list of available projects, don't let that discourage you. Um, uh, try to slot it and see what it says, see what it's asking for then. Cool, I did not know that. You know what I wish they would change for next year? The placement of that pop-up to join the winter invasion queue. It's so close to the pie eating contest prompt and it often pops up while you're clicking to enter the pie eating contest. I keep accidentally clicking it and joining the winter invasion queue. And there isn't an are you sure button. It just puts you straight in there. Sometimes late at night when there aren't a lot of people queued up, I'm able to open the PVE queue quickly and click the leave button. But most of the time I'm not quick enough to stop it. It just starts right away and then you got to do the whole thing because I don't want to disappoint the rest of the team. I don't want to be that guy. I just go through the whole queue thinking, I wish I could be eating pies right now. I wish they would change that a little bit. That's That was an issue for me last year, too. I remember. you got to be really careful when you start that pie-eating contest. Am I the only one? Feels like- I've, yep. I've never done the yes. pie-eating contest. Okay. It's, I did it last year, but I haven't done it this it year. It is so annoying. I'm imagining it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, all they'd have to do is move that uh, model gingerbread city right or just say are you sure say are you sure or leave or have, have a leave button the countdown like you yeah would. have a leave button it, it has a countdown but there's no leave button or anything you're just you're stuck if you don't get in that pveq right of course away. the other solution would be to read what you're clicking f on before you click f yeah that's a good one <laughs> i click it but i'm wearing my frosted boots and i slide into the thing and it changes the it's, I'm sure I'm not the only one. You guys just don't eat pies. Why do we always talk about food when we do the podcast late? <laughs> yeah, I'm starving now. In a dev blog by Adam Flores, he explains the process of creating the new winter event, Tide of Ice. After many tests and adjustments, they finally came to a nice balance that was not only fun, but keeps you busy. I do enjoy this event. It does reward pretty nicely, at least one item per wave when it's working properly, plus whatever you get at the end. And it's fun to shoot the snowboard. I know when me and Skiffy did it like the first day, we had a lot of fun with it. Oh, it's a great event. I like it a lot more than the the other invasion where the snow baron or whatever comes out on the ice. I, I always get ganked by snowmen everywhere. 
The blog also commented on the new look of the structures in the Winter Wonderland, which Hector Ortiz designed. The inspiration behind these changes was a mix between Art Nouveau and American pastoral painters. So, Cookie, what do you think of the changes they made to the Winter Wonderland? Well, imagine how happy you'd be in a room full of puppies. The new Winter Wonderland is like a fraction of that. Wait, let me see if I can explain that better. I once had a bagel on top of a roller coaster. Adam knows what I'm talking about. I actually really like this change. It looks like everything is made out of ice now, and I think it looks beautiful. So next up, we have the research and development pack promotion going on right now with the Ilachi Sheshar Dreadnought. So for limited time, from December 11th to January 5th, they're running a promotion that will give an additional bonus anytime you open an R&D pack. So when you get it in your inventory, it'll be inside a promotional box. And when you open the promotional box, you'll get the pack and either 10 low buy crystals or an Ilachi Sheshar Dreadnought Cruiser. And I was actually extremely lucky and got one of these ships as soon as I was able to log in after the downtime. I bought a four pack. My third promotional box had the Dreadnought. And my initial impressions are good. Some of you know I'm a big fan of the Galaxy X Dreadnought Cruiser, and this compares very favorably with that ship. More base hull and higher shield mod, same console layout, a nice flexible boff arrangement, and a few other goodies like five four weapons instead of four. It also comes with a hangar of Ostchu shuttle pets, but if you have either of the other two Alachi ships, you can get Kulash frigates. Pretty nice. The Galaxy X has no frigate pet option. It's Sheshar Assault Craft console allows it to separate, not unlike the Galaxy X or the Hakona, the Advanced Warbird, and there's now a three-piece set bonus for the Alachi consoles, which gives the separated Assault Craft the Crescent Wave Cannon attack. Finally, through Ship Mastery, it grants a Torpedo Barrage Starship trait, which queues up a free Torpedo High Yield 1 whenever you use a Bridge Officer's Torpedo High Yield ability. While I'm not sure I'd use this ship as a torpedo boat, uh, it's a neat trait for sure. And I'll report back once I've had a chance to field test the ship some more. Yeah, I want this ship only because it looks like a base star. You know how rare it is that you got that ship, Jace? It's uh, it's about a 1.1% chance. Crazy. That's about the same as a lockbox ship. Well, lockbox is actually lower. It's proportionate to the cost of whatever you have to open for the chance, just like the low buy. Like getting 10 low buy from one of these is proportional to the average of about five low buy you get from a lockbox. So it's about double the chance and, and double the rewards. That makes sense because they've always said that they normalize the, the chances based on the cost. So that's. So that might not be they, precise. They know what percentage Right in that ballpark. The only little bug I've encountered with this ship so far is that uh, I, the first thing I did was put the Alachi weapon set on it. Uh, which is available from the Lobby store. They're 200 Lobby per piece. The three-piece set bonus, they give you a, a set bonus called Haywire, which causes these little wisps to fly around your ship in, in sa uh, space, and they deflect energy damage back to you know, the attackers. However, even though this is an Alachi ship, uh, it doesn't seem to be qualifying as it, because an Alachi ship should give you double the stats on Haywire, uh, but that doesn't seem to apply yet with the Sheshar. So probably a small bug and uh, something that devs could look into. You know what I just did yesterday, guys? What was that, Skiffy? I actually just did my first elite PvEQ. I, I hadn't been brave enough to try one until yesterday. Nice. 
And and the one I chose uh, to run was Bug Hunt Elite. And I know you guys have come along with me on Bug Hunt Advanced uh, before, and it's it's really nice because it's virtually unfailable. You will eventually pass it, uh, provided uh, everybody's shooting. Uh, but I decided to try the Elite just to see how it is, and uh, it went really well. I haven't failed that thing yet. I've, I must have run it six or seven times now uh, since yesterday. Did you pug it, or did you do it with a team of people you were you knew? Pugged. Uh, I, I went with a small group. I went with two other people I knew uh, one time. But the uh, the rest uh, has been pugs, and it's it's doable. It's actually doable. You know what? I think that they're getting a lot better as time goes by, too, because I did it on normal, and I died a couple times when it first came out. I did it on advanced when it first came out. I died like ten times. And then I did it with you yesterday, and I didn't die at all, and then it gave me more confidence to try it again. So for those of you who were afraid to try it, because the first time you tried it was horrible, try it again and it's probably going to be better. Yeah, I, I think it's worth... I mean, there's been enough time that, that uh, people have gotten used to what needs to be done in most of these missions, and maybe now's the time where we can start going through and experimenting with some of these elites once you have the proper gear. Uh, and and uh, I think... I'm not going to speak for all elite queues, but Bug Hunt for sure it should be passable by anybody with uh, Mark 13 or 14 gear that, that's... Uh, you know, that has a little bit of proficiency on ground. And you get some good rewards, um, right? Yeah, the rewards are, are 1440 dilithium. I think that's normalized for all elite queues. Uh, you also get two, in this case, uh, two ancient power cells, uh, which is double than what you get from the advance. You only get one for advance and none for the normal. Uh, and then uh, the exact number of marks I haven't worked out because I have bonus uh, a bonus pool running, but I always get 42 marks out of it. Uh, plus, of course, if it's the first one you run out of the daily, you'll get a daily bonus. Um, and lastly, you get an elite uh, R&D queue, which does give you a chance to loot a um, salvage uh, component, which you can then use to make a, a better tech uh, Oh, upgrade. for the experimental tech upgrades, right? Experimental tech upgrades uh, don't level your, your gear any faster, but they do double the chance for a rarity upgrade, which is really nice. And that in conjunction with the... Uh, the boosters will double the its ability basically or its its chance so anyway uh, it's it's doable uh it's a great way to to get marks for delta and uh mostly it's a great way to get those ancient power cells because those are kind of hard to come by right now let's get ready to rock and roll in command school i'm sure there is an answer well better get some facts all right admirals welcome to another installment of command school this week Cookie is going to give you all a piloting lesson. Dr. Cakes? I didn't realize at first how amazing the specialization trait was. It's in the last tier of the pilot specialization tree. Rock and roll. I love this ability. It's not only fun to watch, but it makes you completely invincible to everything for about 10 seconds. There's a one minute cooldown. And these are just some of the ways that I use it. In Crystalline Entity... Now, it doesn't matter where you are now, as long as you have rock and roll. If you watch the progress bar and activate it right before it ends, when the, when the crystalline entity is recharging, right before the shockwave starts, you will be completely unaffected by the shockwave. In Borg Disconnected, a large portion of that queue involves scanning. Well, let's say you can't scan because you're being shot at, which is usually the way it goes. All you have to do is activate rock and roll and immediately hit the scan button. Your scan will be complete before you can be targeted again. 
But keep in mind that this ability does shoot you forward, so position your ship to go towards the thing that you're scanning instead of away from it, because you may fly out of range in the middle of the scan and then it won't work. I usually push my ship right up against the cube that I'm scanning so that it can't go anywhere. I just wish I would have thought to do this during the mirror event. But this will work for any occasion where you need to scan something. Just make sure you start rock and roll first, then scan and not the other way around. When doing Delta Rising content, I'm sure you've noticed when in battle with the Vaudoir, several blue targeting reticles appear around your ship just before you're hit with their devastating cannon barrage and if you don't get out of there fast you will suffer damage. Once you start seeing those appear, wait a few seconds, wait for them all to arrive and then activate rock and roll and they won't be able to damage you at all. Another thing I do if my rock and roll is on cooldown and that happens is I fly up or down. Most of the time, I'm able to avoid a lot of the damage from those things by changing my position vertically. I also use this in conduit if I get stuck when passing the gateway on my way to the second cube. I normally try to fly by quick to avoid aggro, but sometimes the gateway starts firing at me and I can't go fast anymore. Well, rock and roll will make it so it can't target you anymore so you can go full impulse power and get away quicker. Well, that wraps up our Command School segment for this week. If you have a topic that you'd like covered and to be schooled on, then shoot us an email to incoming at priority1podcast.com. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Admirals, we're at the part of the show where we open healing frequencies for your incoming messages. And as a reminder, last week's community question was, what are your thoughts on the Winter Wonderland event now that it's hit holodeck? On our Facebook post for this episode, Logan Omega writes, Great show, as always. The new audio drama segment at the beginning has been fun. I look forward to seeing where the story goes. As for the community question, well, I miss the old look, honestly. I liked the ski resort feel it had. I don't know what's up with the frosted glass look, but it's not to my liking. Let it go, let it go. (laughs) He continues, I do, however, like the new Snorg event. It's a nice ad and a bit on the challenging side the first couple times. Other than that, it's pretty much the same old grind as the last two years with more to do and harder to get everything in multiple characters. Yeah, I I think that after this week's patch, it should be no big difficulty. Aqua Shusen commented on the Facebook post for this episode, I am loving the Winter Wonderland. Got me a knitted hat for my Cation and it looks good on her. For the hats, I think the Cations are the only ones that the hats look good on. Oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> Cookie, please. Cookie is our style mogul now. I cannot wait for my new Tier 6 Sarthelm carrier since we all know Romulans need a carrier. Also, good show team and grats on your 200th episode. Thank you, Aquashusen. And that hat, man, that is so confusing. I had to have, like, several people help me to get that hat on and then change the color. I agree with you, Cookie. What? It's just the off-duty. No, well, no, no that's the thing, the is the other winter outfits are not... You don't have to be an off-duty to wear the winter outfits. But the hat does. Right. If you have your winter outfits as a uniform, then you don't know that the hat option exists. You have to actually switch it. Oh, I see. I see. And then you got to look under the head... Like normally where you pick your head type, that's where you pick where the hat is. Was That was, that was weird. Well, that's just like how you pick helmets, so you must not have any helmets. No, I don't. You went over my helmet? 
<laughs> Jerry Lewis commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I'm so glad to hear that you're going to continue the skits at the beginning of the episodes. I can't wait to hear what happens to the crew of the Prioritas. As for the Winter Wonderland, loving it. I really enjoy killing the assimilated snowmen with my liberated Borg. Just seems right somehow. Really looking forward to the Tier 6 Carrier. It will be my first. My first, too. My first Tier 6. Nice. Jake has done a fantastic job at writing these skits. Uh, he has such a creative mind, and he knows how to write for each one of us, which is just fantastic. It's, it's like we're reading our own words, and it just so happens to be Treknobabble. He's really done a good job at capturing our characters, capturing our chemistry. These are great, and I'm looking forward to this ongoing little adventure. Dragon Rider posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. The winter event is fun. This is the most fun I've had since Legacy of Romulus. Delta Rising has been a big disappointment when it had gotten released. Being able to get a free tier 6 carrier in and of itself is worth everything. The new warp course should be awesome for the new Breen ship. For those that complain about the winter wonderland grinding, there's no real grind that hasn't changed since the other two year versions. I'm also enjoying picking up items for my other captains that I haven't had the chance to before. Me too. I got all, all of them have frosted boots. All of them have the winter outfits. All of them have guns. All of them have ginger pets. And that's what's important. Dan Koheiser commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. The winter event is great. I enjoy the concept of it. Tide of Ice has been a lot of fun for me. And this year, I've finally gotten a handle on how to win the stupid race for the Glossies of Q. Let me tell you, Dan, I'm right there with you. I never even bothered to get either of the other two Breen ships, and it's kicking me in the butt because I want the frigates and the components now for the carrier. And I also finally got a grip on it, and I'm doing it three times a day. So Dan continues, so I'll finally get those Breen ships. Soon I'll have the warp cores, and I can rock out in an absolute zero modified Breen ships. It will be cool, pun intended. So, Jace, what did you do differently from the other times that made you able to do the race now? I think because I hadn't done it in so, since the first year, I uh, had switched to trying to do it with the WASD keys, and I have a much better time doing it with the mouse and then just uh, using my left hand on shift and spacebar for sprinting and jumping to kill my momentum. I've noticed that gliding, I thought gliding was good, gliding into the turns, it's not so much longer. It takes longer to do that. It's so much quicker to just jump or roll and just reposition and then just go straight. The less turning you do, the better. And I just equip my Rysian uh, floater and float around the track. <laughs> <laughs> that thing would freeze up in a heartbeat, soldier. <laughs> Q-Pan writes in via PriorityOnePodcast.com Loved hearing from Thomas. I love his design of the Pathfinder. Much better than the designs of Intel ships and love the insights on the icons. Love the show. And if I don't get a chance, happy holidays, P1. Azurian Star wrote in to us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Honestly, in all these years playing Star Trek Online, not once have I ever thought of these icons more than simple art. In other games, they typically reflect different spell or effect abilities with color differences and teach people the differences. But the one thing about icons I really wish Kat would do is go back and make the revised icons more friendly for those who have eyesight issues. It's been over a year since he redid them, and till this day, I can't tell the difference between them, except the special crafted consoles and the engineering fleet consoles. 
Oh, that's interesting. Now, uh, do some of the alternate color schemes help, or not even that? I thought there were some color schemes that work better. I'm wondering if it's the colors or the shapes that's difficult to see. I don't know. Yeah, I thought there were some alt color schemes that were created specifically for people with um, hindered ability to see differentiations on, on certain colors. Like colorblind? Yeah, colorblindness uh, or color impairment. Uh, Azurian, I'd be interested. Have you tried all the different color schemes? There are, what, like seven or eight different ones now, aren't there? I'm using Orion. But do they change the ability icons? I thought they'd mostly just change the UI. Oh, it doesn't change the icons at all. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's just the just the frames, isn't it? Right, because the icons are color-coded. I thought it was a useful cheat sheet. I knew there was some kind of system to it, but I didn't really get it. And I especially have a hard time on ground because I do less ground combat that I just haven't really learned all the icons as much. Yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I mean, there was clearly a pattern to them and you kind of got used to certain abilities being certain ways. And, you know, I, I had figured out that the shape of the person, if it's the shape of a person, it's something that just affects you. And, and uh, the hexagonal was a uh, area of effect kind of thing. But uh, it was nice to be able to see every element broken down like that. Well, Admirals, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, your opinions, and suggestions for the show. So please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at STO priority one, or shoot us an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 202 of priority one podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, we want to announce that December 29th, we will not have a typical show, but instead our year-end episode filled with bloopers from 2014. So we need your help. Email us an episode and quite possibly even a timestamp of your favorite blooper from 2014 so we can include it on that year-end episode. Admirals, you know we'd love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. This week's community question is, who do you think should direct Star Trek 3? Would you rather JJ come back or do you support hashtag bring in Riker? Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One podcast because with it, we've already hit our monthly running costs. And we're so very grateful to all of our patrons on Patreon.com. Don't forget, even if you can't offer financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show your support. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming Space Sim Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now, you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. A very special thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineers, Skiffy and Ben Churchill. 
and to our support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7, and to a new member of the audio team, Admiral Winters. Welcome aboard. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale, to all of our bloggers, and our managing editor, L, to our video editor, Jerry, and the writer of our new prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. But most importantly, Admirals, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our friends, our listeners, our supporters. Because without you, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Hey, Cookie. What? So what no, do you no, think no, of the... No, 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 not uh, yet, not yet. Oh. <laughs> It'll say when it's your time to say... See down here. Where you see? See where I'm highlighting? No, we haven't scripted this at all, people. Uh, we tried, obviously. Scooby didn't practice. Okay. So... I don't know that word, ganked. I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's that's because you're not from the oh upper God. upper. It, it's more of a PVP term. It's usually <laughs> like an urban dictionary. No, if you're if you're if you're playing and in PVP somebody decloaks and like blows you up, you got ganked. Right. Well, I I do. I'm very familiar with the winter invasion because I keep accidentally going to it when I try to eat pies. So I know what you mean. What just happened? I have no well, you, idea. You got Elijah to stop being quiet and still news. <laughs> I have no That must have really not made sense. <laughs> oh, really? All I had to do was read the first line of my section. <laughs> you know what, Jace? <laughs> I'm never going to ask you a question again. I love you, Elijah. <laughs> if you didn't ask me any questions, you'd just fire me because that's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. And Cookie, what? <laughs> a bagel on top of a roller coaster? Yeah, imagine how fast that would roll. video enough. The last time I went on a roller coaster, they didn't allow food. <laughs> well, you have to sneak it on. This is an inside <laughs> joke between me and Adam, I guess, and whoever watched my Nerve Tonic video, which apparently you guys did not. That's Cookie's so. way of saying this is an A and B conversation, so see your so way. So in, in a sense, this is Nerve Tonic news. <laughs> nerve Tonic news. So, Jace, what are you going to ask me what I think of the Winter Wonderland? Jace, what do you think about this new ship they released? <laughs> That's going to be your, you're going to be the new Vanna White. <laughs> but you're just verbally indicating the segments. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd use this ship as a torpedo bolt. I'm not sure I'd use this ship as a torpedo bolt. No, that's not what I meant. I keep saying bolt. 
I'm not sure I'd use this ship as a torpedo boat. Man, I can't do it. <laughs> this is like the worst. As bolt. a bolt. Boat. Such a bolt. Bolt. Such a bolt. Bowl? Say bowl. <laughs> in the t- no, he's saying boat. This is command school. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Wow. I would like to withdraw from this class. I'm gonna go speak to my advisor. Sit right down, now. I don't know how to Start it. How do you do? You want it? me to introduce know. you? Okay, okay, okay. Ready? Ready? Okay. When doing Delta Rising content, I'm sure you've noticed when in battle with the Vaudoir, several blue targeting reticles. Reticles? Is that reticles? Really? Reticles. Reticles. This week in command school, c- c- what? Come on. I'm not talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. Post? This, do you want me to redo it? <laughs> Is it a bolt? It's a torpedo bolt. A bolt. I'm on a boat. In a pulse. In a do you pulse? want me to redo it or not? No, okay. it's fine. And who is listener guy? Listener guy, who are you? It's driving me crazy. Let's open. Tell me who you are. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Sorry, did I mess up that the rest of the recording? Let's all hit stop. Wow, the spot where I said that is really big in the recording. Well, they did make it easier for. <laughs> they did make it was easier. That you? For Were you, you to was get... that you? Was that you? Like, what yeah. was that? I got me a knitted cat for a knitted cat. I'm reading ahead. A knitted cat for my Haitian. <laughs> yeah, Yaman. Yeah, oh, sorry, that's Jamaica. Why you? Why you tell me that? Man, I don't know. I can't get my cats to keep a hat on. I don't know about you guys. I can't wait to hear what happens to the crew of the Prioritas. They all die. Because <laughs> our doctor sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Delta Rising has been a fun? big disappointment when it has gotten when it had gotten released. What did you say? <laughs> this is the why are you reading it because like that? This dragon writer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you re-say icons? You said it kind of weird. Icons. Really? Icons. The Iconians. <laughs> well, you know, not everybody celebrates holidays. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> Thomas the Cat would do is go back and make the revised... Uh... Icons is a hard word, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. 